taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. Coming to you from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, in Roman, Montana, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, our verse of the week. It comes from Psalm 20, verse 7, which says, Some take pride in chariots and others in horses, but we will take pride in the name of the Lord our God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. the sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics. We'll take in the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Curtis Evelo and I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Well, welcome everyone. Hey, as we approach uh, Memorial Day, take some time uh, and thank those uh, in the forces or those that have served in the forces. And, uh, you know, Offer a pray, offer to pray for them uh, right there on the spot with them. Um, I I promise you will be blessed as you pass God's grace on to them, and and uh, they will be blessed uh, knowing that uh, somebody actually uh, is paying attention. Uh, well, we got to get after this one, uh, so let's go ahead and welcome on Brian Chilton. Brian, hello, hey, brother, and Will <laughs> Will said, I know um, you know I, I've never served in the military myself, although. My original plan was to go into the Air Force. I wanted to fly airplanes whenever I was a kid. I saw the Top Gun movie and, and was infatuated with aircraft ever ever since that time. But uh, you know, my eyes were pretty bad. I wore contact lenses for those who don't know, and, and on times I don't, I wear glasses. But but uh, anyhow, long story short, you know, I have a lot of family who served in the military, so. This Memorial Day, I love the words you said. We need to uh, remember remember those who serve and, and thank them for their service. Right. A question. What's your favorite line on Top Gun? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> My gosh. Mine is, mine, is, mine is, we were inverted. <laughs> I guess I guess you know, I don't know that I have a, relations. I don't know that I have a favorite line, but I have a favorite scene. I love that scene where they're um, messing with uh, a MIG and they're flying like a, over uh, on top of it. You know, they're, they're upside down, yeah. flying on top of yeah. it. And I think they take a picture yeah. of them or something. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. He was uh, performing uh, international relations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, how'd you get that Polaroid? We were inverted. <laughs> that that was amazing. What's always amazed me too is my grandpa. He was a he was a Navy guy. He served on a on a cruiser USS New Orleans back in World War Two. And uh, but it's always amazed me of the. Um, the, the, air, the aircraft carriers have always amazed me, amazed me, and especially those who land on the aircraft carriers. I mean, you're talking about. 
ship that's moving. Yeah. A jet that's, that's slowing down because a, a landing is a controlled crash, as one pilot told me. The, the, yeah. And they got to sink the timing just right and then uh, get the hook to pull the rope uh, to slow it down. I mean, that hook is, is hitting the cable, and, and that's what stops it. I mean, it's unbelievable and there's a story I heard one time before it was in a Reader's Digest I believe of this guy who was a first time Navy man and so to get his credentials to um, to, to fly a certain type of uh, jet he had to land on a carrier and then turn right back around to uh, shoot off and so he started off on land the story goes to meet this carrier and it was just a touch and go well not touch and go he had to actually land and take off they refueled him while he was out there but anyhow, he told, told about his nervousness as he finally, he missed it the first time, and he caught it like the second or third time landing. And so he was just nerved up. And said they got him on the launch pad to shoot him off, as they do, the, the catapult system they use to launch right. it. And uh, said they pulled him over, they gassed him up. He's still shaking because the whole thing's nerve-wracking trying to land. And so he thinks he's ready, and this uh, real cocky Navy guy, he's he's doing a thumbs up like, you are you ready for this? So he, he knew he was a rookie. Are you ready for this? <laughs> and he just he stuck his chest out and gave the salute. The time he did that, said he went from like, I can't remember the speed. It was like zero to insanity in a matter of seconds. It hit him so hard that his mask flew off his face because he didn't have his right. But he finally, once he got off the ship, he took off, and, and everything was kosher after that. But um, just amazing work they do. It just amazes me how they're able to do some of the things oh, they know. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some pretty crazy stuff. And then how much they stack on them aircraft carriers now—that's a feat. Oh gosh, I mean, yeah, it's unbelievable. So, anyway, we're gonna cover um, actually a. A podcast uh, that was covered on Bellator Christie years ago, and it was on Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> yes, yeah, so years ago, uh, the, this ministry actually started back in 2012 under the name of Redeeming Truth Radio. I was pastoring a, a church in Yakin County, North Carolina at that time, and um, that's actually the origins of the ministry. It began with the podcast, even before there was a website, uh, was Redeeming Truth Radio. And unfortunately, we covered a lot of good stuff. It was the, the positive side about Blog Talk Radio is that it was like a radio station and that people could call in. And hopefully we'll get something like that with this podcast eventually. But, um, well, yeah, hopefully. I mean, there's got to be a way. I'm sure there is. But, but anyhow, um, we had some great podcasts, had some great interviews. We had interviewed Chad Thornhill from Liberty and uh, about his uh, dissertation he turned into a book. And um, <clears throat> Chet Roden, many others, had uh, uh, Nick Peters on there. I mean, we had a bunch of people on there. We even had uh, Dur- uh, Durbin Gray, uh, who was a former Carolina Panthers NFL guy. Uh, he pastors a church, Transformation Church, uh, down in South Carolina. Uh, There's a huge mega church, multi ethnic church down there. Had him on the podcast but the problem is is when um is when the podcast was moved from redeeming truth on blog talk radio 
through Bellator Christie on bellatorchristie.com. Some of those podcasts, what we tried to do, if you remember, if you recall the uh, podcast, look back in time with the back in time theme, try to bring resurrect some of those podcasts. Well, unfortunately, some of the podcasts that we performed that we recorded uh, back in the day, uh, they're no longer available now for whatever reason. Um, which is problem. Which is part part of the problem about having. A, a podcast on a system that doesn't where you don't own the rights uh, right. the, the ones who own the rights to the um, or, or if you own the partial rights then the, the operator can do away with the material at their discretion the way we're set up uh, we, own, we own the rights to it and uh, you know we're basically using a system that helps us get the you know the information out there as you know, far as a medium goes right. but right. but as long as BellatorChristie.com is up and going, uh, the material will stay on the interwebs. And we have it archived on our database then. Exactly. 100%, yeah. It's, it, it will, and some of it you may have to go back and look up. I mean, on the podcasting apps like iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, um, right. iHeartRadio, you'll, you'll have a whole directory of podcasts we've done from the very beginning. Now, on the website, you may have to do a little bit more digging. We're, we're, uh, hopefully, one of these days... You know, we can get with someone to help us find a new format to, to simplify some of the things on the website, but uh, that'll be post PhD days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which hopefully, if everything goes well, maybe it won't be too much longer uh, that we'll get this thing wrapped up. But this, the the uh, pray for me. This this is setting up the methodology and everything right now. It is a beast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're doing it because I won't be. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure so we on this on this uh format that we did you had you had on this on this particular podcast was the five signs of a false shepherd um so you want to go ahead and uh, maybe uh go into that you want me to read some of the other stuff there before we get into the questions well, let me give kind of a background on uh, Zechariah. So, so this okay. th- there are many people who are talking. In fact, we've mentioned prior to the podcast, prior to recording. I think Elisa Childers and some other people have had podcasts on false prophets. But what we're trying to do here on this is coming at it, come at it from a biblical perspective in the book of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter ten and eleven, uh, chapter ten verses one through three. And chapter eleven verses um, looks like it's one through one through three and fifteen through seventeen actually give us some traits of a false shepherd. Now let's put this in okay. let's put this in perspective. Let's do a little historical background behind what we're talking about. Zechariah is a post-exilic prophet, which means that he joins the time period of Ezra. Um, I believe it Nehemiah. I believe Nehemiah is one of them. But uh, he, he joins the the, uh, the group of individuals after the people of Israel have come back from from exile in Babylon. So you were talking about post five thirty eight B.C. This is when, uh, if memory serves, uh, the Cyrus, king of Persia at the time, released the Israelites to go back in their homeland. When they came back, they they were warning the prophets were led by the Lord to tell the people rebuild the city, 
we because the city is in ruins. I mean, just imagine yourself. You've built this place, you've built a temple, you've built all these different things, and you have an enemy nation coming in, and they have completely decimated the whole thing. And that's what the Israelites were facing at that time. So, anyhow, the prophets of God were saying, and, and people at that time had become so accustomed to the Babylonian ways, to some even stayed in Babylon. They didn't want to return, because they, right. they had it nice and easy in Babylon. They got used to the Babylonian ways, and they didn't want to return. And so Zechariah and a lot of these prophets are trying to jumpstart the people, kick them in the gear, saying, listen, not really literally kick them, but, but boost them theologically, uh, re-energize the people to, to go back to the ways of the Lord. So right. we, they, uh, they begin the process, but the book of Ezra tells us that there's a pause in the, in the construction process, and then the, the people become lax, apathetic, and um, really lazy when it comes to the ways oh. of the Lord. Mm. And so, interestingly, you have Zechariah and some prophets who are coming along trying to lead the people in the ways of the Lord, but the people reject the, the true prophets of God. And so we were talking about, there's even evidence back in Isaiah's day that Isaiah may have been, now it's not in the Bible, I mean, so it's, it's implicit evidence we have extra biblically that there may be, uh, well, in fact, there may be a reference to this in the, in the book of uh, Hebrews where it talks about the Hall of Faith where we're talking about the prophets were sawn asunder. Many people believe that uh, he's referring back to Isaiah uh, son of Amos, the one, the writer of I hold to the unity of Isaiah, so so the writer of the book of Isaiah. Um, it's very possible that the people turned on him and executed him. So you see this reoccurring thing, and even in chapter eleven, what happens? So they're even turning now against Zechariah. So Zechariah is just saying, "Give me my payment for being a prophet, thirty pieces of silver, which was the price of a slave." Now there's another time we see 30 pieces of silver come about, and that's later in the New Testament where Judas sells out Jesus for the price of a slave. And so anyhow, the whole, the whole perspective is you have these false leaders, these false shepherds, who are leading the people away from the ways of God and... Um, away from the ways of God and, and towards other things. If, if someone's leading you away from the Lord, then they're leading you to something else. And so, uh, so what we find in Zechariah in this passage of Scripture are signs of the false prophets of Zechariah's day. And it's interesting that I think we also find parallels to the false prophets we find not only of Zechariah's day, but of any day in time. And so I think this may be helpful for us as we, as we try to examine what pro false prophets are like. So that kind of gives you a background on um, on what we're discussing tonight. Right. Yeah. So you said in in your uh, in your the start of the article it says uh, the image of a shepherd is used to portray a, a spiritual leader in scripture and sometimes even a ruler. Mm -hmm. Shepherds are supposed to look out for their sheep. Sheep are especially vulnerable to attacks from the predators. If a shepherd is good, the shepherd will be protected, or the sheep will be protected. If the shepherd is bad, the sheep are uh, are, in, are as good as dead. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, imagine this. What is a sheep going to do against a wolf or against a thief? Sheep are basically uh, defenseless. They run really fast. <laughs> <laughs> but can they outrun a wolf? I don't, I don't know. No, nah, not normally. Um, not normally. So, no. and it says, it says in your, and it says, it says, it, it, it is no mistake that Jesus and the early church referred to the leader of the church as a shepherd. Jesus and the early church also warned against false shepherds, those who wolves in sheep's clothing. Absolutely. So, we use the term pastor, which... Right. Is I don't have the etymology in front of me, but it is. And again, this has been a long day, so <laughs> my mind is not firing on all cylinders tonight. <laughs> not that it ever does, but especially not tonight. <laughs> but yeah, I got some spark plug wires that are turned around. So <laughs> no wonder we get along so well. <laughs> but but anyhow, the the term pastor it it refers to a shepherd. And so Jesus is the good shepherd, you know, and the references to Psalm twenty-three. So shepherd is it was known symbolically as a leader. Could be a king. Could be most likely a spiritual leader in many senses of the term. But nonetheless, uh, a good shepherd would stand and defend the sheep. A bad shepherd would just let the the sheep go, or when danger comes, run and hide. Is what a false shepherd would do. Right. They couldn't be trusted. So, the first question, or first statement, the false shepherd is signified by false doctrine. And this is in Zechariah. So we're going to be in the book of Zechariah through these questions, these statements, one through five, and then I think the last two we're going to be jumping from Lincoln to John and then Psalms. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so number one, and we see this in Zechariah 10, verses 1 through 2, the false shepherd is signified by false doctrine. Here's the, here's, well, let me just read the passage first. Verse 1, Zechariah says, The Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, ask the Lord for rain. So he, he's calling them away for, uh, from their idols. He's calling them away from divinations. He's calling them away from this self-centeredness uh, that, they, that they had in their worldview. He says, ask the Lord for rain. Ask the Yahweh for rain. In the season of spring rain, the Lord makes the rain clouds, and he will give them showers of rain and crops in the field for everyone. For the idols speak falsehoods, and the diviners see illusions. They relate empty dreams and offer empty comfort. So we'll pause right there, the first part. Let me read it again. The idols speak falsehoods, and the diviners see illusions, and relate empty dreams and offer empty comfort. They offer comfort, but there's no basis behind the comfort they offer. Yeah, it's in, it's in vain. It's in vain. Yeah. 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 So we see here that the doctrine of the false shepherd is based more on a self-centeredness. Um, you know, this, this, is, this is often abused, feel-good theology. Um, it's, it's, but I don't really necessarily like that term because I believe one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. 
And I believe if you have a solid theology, uh, you, you will feel good. You will you will be able to face things that people who don't you sure. have the joy of yeah. the Lord. You know, so I think we have to be careful. I think that's abuse sometimes because I think we, th- I think some people believe we have to be stoic and and um, long faced and and act like we just lost our puppy. Um, that's obviously not a fruit of the spirit. I mean, yeah, there is a time to mourn, but uh, we should be full of joy. But it doesn't come from a empty comfort. It comes from uh, a solid theological basis of theological trust in the God of all creations. And so, here again, they were looking to themselves to probably do these incantations or something of the sort, and uh, they're speaking falsehoods. The diviners are passing along empty, uh, false comfort, and and really there's no comfort in what they're saying because it's based on uh, self-idolization, self um, centeredness rather than on the God of all creation. Right. Yeah, and in, in, like you said, in Ecclesiastes, it says, uh, um, it talks about, you know, there's a time to weep and a time to time to have joy and, and so on and so forth, and it, and it gives these balance. And it, there are these times where we, where we have, where we, where we should do those things because that, that at that particular time connects us to God at that certain, uh, moment or season in our life sure. and then we find joy on the other so yeah i could see what you're talking about there what's interesting to me is right off the bat um god doesn't pull any punches on this um in verse two it says for the idols speak delusion mm-hmm. well, that's that's pretty plain straightforward uh yeah. So, so what would happen sometimes, and I don't know if it's necessarily, I can't remember if it's in Zechariah's day or if it's later, um, more so in the Greco-Roman period after after this, but there were individuals in times past that would create these idols, and their priests, they would be hollowed out, and the priests would hide away in the idol. So someone would come around and ask a question, and this priest would speak on behalf of the idol, and everybody would Oh, the statue actually talks. <laughs> oh, it's a guy in there speaking. <laughs> Jeez. Well, nowadays we just put a we just put a you know a speaker in there and you know and then have a microphone there. That's my goodness. Can you imagine? Well, and it kind of relates. And it kind of relates to the whole idea about um, you, you see some healers, and I'm not saying the healing is not. Real, I believe God gives some people the gift of healing. Uh, I, I've seen some incredible things happen. Um, there's par- but but understand that if there is healing done, it's done through the Lord. It's not done through through a person. But but there yeah, are times. Yeah, there are people who have these little uh, earbuds in their ears, and they'll have someone talking in the back. Uh, and uh, have you seen that Steve Martin movie uh, where he yeah, plays the evangelist? Yeah. That's not too far from the truth with some individuals. A leap of faith, yeah. I think, is the name of it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's not too far from the truth with some individuals. So, so yeah. there's a little bit of a false doctrine that's based more. The emphasis is placed more on the self and self-sufficiency, self-dependency, and less on the sovereign God of creation. Right, and you know we we covered some stuff in previous podcasts and you look at this in verse uh, in uh, yeah in, in uh, verse 2 uh, the next line it says the diviners 
this is in the New King James version. It says the diviners envision lies. Mm. Hmm. So we had in, in the superior CSB, it says the illusions. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> sorry, I had to go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine we get together, and Curtis, you wouldn't punch me for that. <laughs> <laughs> I could just click the button here and you'd be gone. So. Well, there's always that. <laughs> Do it on my own. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. Diviner. Yeah, because in the ESV it says, the and the diviners see lies. So, you know, we, we had... We had some prophecies and some people that were speaking prophecies earlier this year that that clearly didn't come true. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at some of this stuff going, wait a minute here, we, we got to have some accountability. And Zachariah has already given us this platform to a baseline to, to live off of here. Yeah, and the word in Hebrew is uh, shaker, uh, which means literally lying, false, falsehood. Um, illusionary th things that are not based in uh, deception, uh, falsehood, uh, uh, well, deception, fraud is another word for it. Uh, okay. So all, all of these terms, you know, in all seriousness, all of these terms will convey the same point that they're that they're telling, they're not telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And then it says uh, you got. Uh, in the second question, it says uh, the false shepherd is signified by self-exaltation. Yeah, so he goes on to say that um, the, the people wander like sheep. They suffer affliction because there is no shepherd. Now, now Jesus pulls from this later on in the New Testament. Uh, he, he's right. going to pull from this as well. They suffer affliction because there's no shepherd. And he goes on to sing verse 3, My anger burns against the shepherds, the false shepherds, so I will punish the leaders. For the Lord of armies has tended his flock. The true shepherd is God. So even if we serve as pastors in the local church, we're really under shepherds, underneath the chief shepherd who is Jesus Christ. The Lord of armies has tended his flock, the house of Judah, uh, he will make them like the, his majestic steed in battle, a strong war horse. So shall be the true genuine shepherd, the true genuine people of God. They'll be like that war horse uh, being yeah. able to ride into battle. But those who are leading them astray, they're going to they're gonna face judgment for this. And I think what you see here, the reason why, and, and so we, we list the term self-exaltation because the idea behind this the people wander off like sheep. They suffer affliction because there's no shepherd. The reason there's no shepherd is because a false shepherd is only for himself or herself and not for the people of God. Now, now some people will say, you know, this kind of brings up the whole topic, should a pastor get paid? Yes, a pastor should get paid. This is something we see in the, the, the letters of the Corinthians. Uh, first, right. first and second Corinthians. Jesus even makes a point to this. Um, and we could go on this a whole other podcast we could do in and of itself. Right. But the, the point is that the shepherd should not solely be... I mean, the shepherd, a pastor has to take care of the needs of his family, but that person should not solely be for himself. He should, he should also uh, care, genuinely care about 
the people under his watch care. Now, in one of the classes I took in my undergraduate at Gardner-Webb University, I took a class, and in that class, I never will forget this, they gave four um, demonstrations, uh, kind of like um, archetypes of bad pastors, things to avoid. One is the showboat. The showboat is a person who puts on a good show. Uh, they'll razzle and dazzle you, but there's no moral character behind this person. In this case, we may even think of Ravi Zacharias. Now, we didn't know this at the time. He could razzle and dazzle you with his intellect and, 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 and do all this. But at the end of the day, we see that his moral character wasn't what it needed to be. That's why we have to have accountability. There's also the monk. This is a person, and of all the four, I'm probably more tempted to be this one than the other three. The monk is the one who just hides away. You never see him out in the, in the, in the church. You never see him through the week. Just kind of hides away, lives in a cave. You never see him. Well, that's 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 difficult to, to for the people. You, you need to have someone there with the people. The third is a doubting Thomas, someone who doubts everyone, uh, who is uh, uh, doesn't trust anyone. And the fourth one's called the General Patton, the one who leads with an iron fist, uh, the one who rules like General Patton. This is not good for a church or it's not good for people because people have to be willing to grow. Uh, with a general patent, no questions are allowed. Um, it's just, it, it becomes really cultic in a sense. And so that can become very, very dangerous very quickly if that's not, uh, some accountability is not given in, uh, in that regard. So self-exaltation, this is something we see in, in verse 2 and 3. So it's more about more about his name, yeah, rather than Jesus. Yeah. Exactly, and I would say, well, you know, Craig has even said on the podcast that he's this is a concern he has uh, with the younger generations of apologists that there may be many who are seeking more to make a name for themselves than necessarily uh, serving humbly, humbly serving the Lord. Yeah, and I, like I said before before the podcast. Um, you know that's going to be um, something down the road. We're going to see the fruit of. Um, yeah, but that's really the only way to see that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So number three, the false shepherd is signified by blind acceptance from his flock and people. Yeah. So this goes back to verse two, the last part. Uh, they suffer affliction uh, because there is no shepherd. And so uh, this comes back to this section here. They they suffer affliction because there's no shepherd. Here again, you you can you can bring up the uh, point to say that um, that the the sheep are afflicted because the, the the leadership is such that here's where you come into cultic issues. And I believe that there are some churches that are somewhat cultic where you can't ask the pastor any questions. The, from my understanding, now I don't know this to be true, but from my understanding of some of the uh, reports I heard from Marzian, this may have been the case with Ravi. I, I don't, I don't know. You have to refresh my memory. But anytime you have in, any instance where where a person is just told to blindly accept the the leader without asking any questions, uh, there's no discussion or debate. You just do what you're told, and that's that. 
That's very dangerous, and that leads to right. very bad ends very quickly. Yeah, well, because it's, it's it's driven by one person, and not not driven by God. Obviously, not not Jesus isn't running the church at that point. It's it's just um, uh, will the will of man. Yeah, at that point. And I think that, that there's a five little word behind all of these, and and it's pride. It's really about pride of the yeah. individual. Ufta. Yeah. Ufta's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number four, the false shepherd is signified by uncaring, uh, uncaring devastation. So in this one, we'll go down to chapter 11, verses 15 through 17. Let's pull this up. The Lord also said to me, Take the equipment of a foolish shepherd. I'm about to raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for those who are perishing and he will not seek the lost or heal the broken. He will not sustain the healthy, but he will devour the flesh of the fat sheep and tear off their hooves. Woe to the worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. Uh, may a sword strike his arm and his right eye. You know, normally, the right hand is the strongest hand, not always, but most times, the right eye is a symbol of authority, so may his arm wither away and his right eye go completely blind. So when he says, I'm raising up a shepherd, what he means by this is he's letting the people have their wishes. They did not want to go after the true shepherd, but they were flocking to the false shepherd. So God is saying, is this, if this is what you want, I'll, I'll let this one rise up and you can go after this false shepherd. But this is what's coming. If you follow the false shepherd, he's going to desert you. He's going to uh, consume you. And he's going to tear you apart. Theologically, and this can also be if you're talking about cultic issues, Jim Jones, uh, you know, case goes on and on of individuals who literally, false shepherds who literally yeah. led to the physical destruction of, of their adherents. Yeah. So this not only is talking about emotionally and spiritually, but can very well be physically that these individuals yeah. devour the, the sheep under their care. There might also be a good case for uh, uh, free will right there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, number five, the false shepherd is signified by divine judgment. So here's the thing you have to understand. If you follow a false shepherd who is led by self, not by the Lord, that, that self they think they're following is really not themselves, but they're following in the pattern and of Satan, the typology of Satan, because that's exactly what Satan did. So... We see that the same result for Satan will be the result of the false shepherd. So let's go first to 10.4. The cornerstone will come from Judah, the tent peg will come from them, and also the battle bow and every ruler. And together they will be like warriors in battles. Okay, this this is the this is talking about the um, the, uh, the the true people of God. They will be like warriors in battle, trampling down the mud in the streets. They will fight because the Lord is with them. They will put horsemen to shame. Now. Compare that to chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Open your gates, Lebanon, and fire will consume your cedars. The cedars of Lebanon were prized uh, trees used for the construction of the temple. They were considered to be holy. Well, cypress, for the cedar has fallen. The glorious trees are destroyed. Some of these trees were even worshipped in, in the northern kingdom. Well, oaks of Bashan, for the stately forest has fallen. So these idols are fallen. Listen. 
listen to the wail of the shepherds. So the shepherds place their faith and trust in these trees, the holiness of these material objects. He says, listen to the wail of the shepherds, for their glory is destroyed. Listen to the roar of young lions, for the thickets of the Jordan are destroyed. So it's like almost like the uh, some were lying in wait. The predators were lying in wait in, the, in the thickets where the thickets are gone. But the, the idols are gone, and so they left nothing except with nothing except the divine judgment of God. Yeah, that's uh, it, when you when you think about that. Our our it's true exactly what Scripture tells us. Our our hearts are are perpetual idol factories, and mm-hmm. it, I mean just even in this, you know, it shows worshiping the the trees and the cedars of Lebanon and and uh, how how our hearts uh, attach to certain things well and there's something special about being able to hold something uh, you know and, and maybe it's built in the, the human psyche that, that we need something to touch something to hold and you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with like having a cross and holding it, or having a prayer cloth or prayer shawl and holding it. That can bring us comfort. Even the anointing of oil, it, the oil doesn't heal us, but the oil reminds us of the Holy Spirit. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The problem is when we take those material possessions and we deify those possessions and, pl- yeah. and place them and elevate them over the place that only belongs to God. God is spirit, Jesus tells us. This is not Hellenistic dogma. This comes from Jesus, who was very much in line with the Pharisaical rabbinical tradition. He said God is spirit. Those who worship him will worship him in spirit and truth. This, by, by the way, is not only just does it come from Jesus. This this comes back to the whole Shema. Uh, not, and then the Ten Commandments, not building any idols, but um, trusting solely on the Lord. Right. It says false shepherds should be corrected and avoided from being placed in leadership at all costs. Yeah, I, I don't think that we. Here's the thing, I, especially in Baptist circles. Um, let, let me back up. I was in a Methodist church uh, at one time, and in fact, uh, God brought me back to a strong faith while in a Methodist church because of the loving, caring, compassionate people at uh, St. Paul United Methodist Church down in Hamptonville, North Carolina. Uh, It was their love and compassion and God working through the ministry of apologetics at that time that really uh, brought me back to a strong faith. So at the time, I thought that the Lord, maybe he was leading me to uh, the Methodist church. Well, come to find out now, you know, there was all the mess going on now. uh, God led me back to the Baptist church. Ultimately, we worship the same God. You know, we put labels on these denominations, but ultimately, right. we serve the same God. Well, it's interesting. One of the things I was impressed with the Methodists, though, were that they went through. They expected the ministers to go through um, a, ser- a series of training, making sure their doctrine was in line with with the Methodist Church, making making sure it was biblically based, and they even sent perspective individuals who were considering the pastorate to a psychologist for psychological evaluation 
Believe it or not, Curtis, I actually passed. But here's the thing. I found that experience down in Charlotte. I went down to Charlotte, and I found that experience very refreshing. Uh, the guy was uh, who, who uh, did my assessment, he was a really nice Christian guy and a and, uh, really godly man. And he gave me some tips to, um, to really strengthen my ministry and things I have remembered even now. Um, one of the things he said, just to share if I could, Share right quick, real quickly. He warned me against uh, trying to be too much of a people pleaser. It's almost as if he read through me. I mean, I, I mean, how he did that was almost spooky. But um, but I say all of that just to simply make the point is I don't think sometimes we give enough training to prospective ministers. And we, we, but someone says, I feel the calling of God. Well, we've known that known that guy since seventeen years since he was a little boy. Let's put him in the pastorate. Well, you don't really know uh, without giving proper training and without giving, um, you know, I'm not saying that necessarily everybody has to go to seminary, but there should be something in place in the church that we make sure that, that, that allows us to investigate and evaluate a person's doctrine to um, ensure that they're teaching biblical truth and, and train them in the basics of the Bible at least. Yeah, I don't think we do enough of that. Yeah, create some sort of accountability, um, yeah. whatever that may look like uh, within your within your organization. And if you have deacons and elders, I think something similar needs to happen with them before you give them, place them in a position of authority. Sure. Uh, yeah. So Jesus in John's gospel gives us a clear, identifiable marks of a false shepherd, so we will be able to recognize a false shepherd. Uh, John ten. 7 through 13. You want to read that? Yeah, so this comes from uh, John, uh, like you said, John 10, 7 through 13. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. These, these are, this is one of the seven I am statements. I'm the gate of the sheep. All who come, uh, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out to find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd, does not uh, own the sheep, leaves them, and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf yeah. then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. And there again... Um, that goes in with the marks of the false shepherd. Uh, the false shepherd right. doesn't care about the sheep. It's all about the person, all about the self, not about the people, and so that's problematic. Yeah, yeah. But notice the contrast between that and Jesus, where he was willing to lay down his life for the sheep. Well, I, I was just going to say, isn't that funny? Because uh, we see here in the next in the next one uh, in in uh, eight. Or seven. Uh, I have I have wrote down here. David in Psalm twenty three tells us what a good shepherd, what a good shepherd will do. Yeah. So and go ahead. I, I want to read. I want to read this. I mean, we we've you've probably heard this many times in the classic tradition. I'm going to read this because actually it's amazing you mentioned this because I actually taught a devotional this past Tuesday on Psalm twenty three. 
And I was looking at the way the CSB worded this. Now, there's a way they word the very end of it. I don't like as much as the traditional, but there is something in verse 6 that I actually like better. Uh, so I have kind of a love-hate relationship with verse 6 and CSB. So anyhow, <laughs> this is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. So he gives us the needs of life. He allows me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley or the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse 6, I love this first part. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. I looked that up, and the actual word there, uh, yiktol, literally means that the love of God pursues after us. Now we say only goodness and and faithfulness uh, will follow me, but it means pursue me all the days of my life. And it goes on to say, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. I like the aspect for eternity better in that last section, last line, but I love the pursue part better in the CSB, but I love the eternal part better in the uh, traditional text. Yeah. Isn't it funny how if we, let's just take a quick, quick pick, a uh, quick look at this picture that was created for us. Jesus was doing what when he was feeding the five thousand? When he was when he was doing that, he made them sit down next to the water in the green pasture. Um, That's a good point. He, yeah, and he led them beside the still waters, and and I think it's important that we realize that there there's pictures being painted of what. A false shepherd would be, and in that type of community, being an agricultural, uh, being shepherds and being understanding animals and animal behavior, uh, yeah, there's times where uh, if if somebody other than me or my wife or my son go out and try to move our cows, um, they almost like uh, stick their nose up at the people and just turn the other way and go go away. But my wife literally can go from the front of the herd, start clapping her hands and start calling, and they all know her voice, and they the cows literally come come to her and follow her. It's uh, it's the coolest, craziest thing ever. But if somebody else comes in, they they turn and run. So could you imagine what Jesus was actually saying here? Um, these are all in the sheepfold, so they're all in the secure, uh, secured area for the night. Uh, and then when they call them out, um, they would just open the gate because they would take multiple shepherds, would take their sheep, um, and so they would just put them all together in one. But then each shepherd would call their their flock out of those sheepfolds um, as they'd exit or as they'd go out to pasture every day, and they would just follow those that they know their names mm. it's 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 truly amazing so what jesus was doing there was showing us um that that not only is it him that calls but we have to be listening we have to be receptive to listen very much so very much so so well this is a good uh, good end to the podcast here so that was our false shepherd um uh, look <laughs> 
look at look at what we had going on there. So uh, we just thank you for this time. We we at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending that time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and is a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie podcast, and until next time, Brian and I say. So we're on, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith, but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today. Do you have a question about the Bible, theology, or apologetics that you've always wanted to ask but never felt comfortable asking? If so, we want to encourage you to head over to bellatorchristie.com and submit your question on the Submit a Question link. Your question will be reviewed and may be featured on a future article or podcast. Remember, the only dumb question is the one unasked. So go over to bellatorchristie.com now and submit your question.